0: Well, good morning, all. Lovely to see you again. Good to have this opportunity to enjoy one another, company. I was just looking at this seat I'm sitting on. I'm glad it's not a leather seat. You might have thought I was uh, Reverend Mayam Jolly. It's good to be here. I came across a wee verse this week that really thrilled me. I think Bob will appreciate this. It's found in uh, Judges 16, Verse 20, and it says, the hair will grow again. I spent some time in the mirror (laughs) rejoicing. Unfortunately, it wasn't a prophetic word for me, although the spirit might breathe on it. But it did refer to Samson, return to strength. If you've been feeling during this lockdown that it's all over for you, ministry's dried up, seven opportunities gone, It's all over. i will never be the same again. Let me encourage you. God is a restorer. Not only of the former, but the latter is always better than the former. When he says to Samson, your hair will grow back. Samson wasn't finished. His ministry was to deliver Israel from the Philistines. But he stole his secret, lost his hair, lost his strength. And it's now just a entertainment for the Philistines. And then his imprisonment, his hair grew back and he cried to the Lord, you know, one last time, Lord. And it says he slew more in his death than he did in his life. God, throughout the Old Testament, God is always bringing reformation and restoration. He refers to Israel often and it's backsliding days and it's desolation days as a tree cut down to a stump. And you read that, you can read that in Job 14, verse 8. A tree cut down and a stump, all its former glory gone, just a stump. And even in Isaiah says, even if you put iron bands around it, when the rain comes and the dew falls, the twigs will spring again. God was always promising restoration. Israel was in Babylon at the time and say, "How can we sing the songs of Zion in a strange land? But God had already pronounced an end to the trouble 70 years will end and your return. In John 11 we read of Lazarus. Lazarus was dead in the tomb four days. Now that's lockdown. You can't make more lockdown than that. Yet Jesus said, this thickness is not unto death. And Jesus comes and he calls him forth. Lazarus, come forth. So I want you to encourage you in this lockdown, you know, that after this rest period, you'll come forth, ready for the harvest, stronger than ever. Last time I was speaking, we spoke about the church in Philippi. And this morning, I want to look at the church in Thessalonica. And I want to read some scriptures to you. I'm reading from Acts 17, verse 1. Now, when they had passed through Apophilus and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where was the synagogue of the Jews and paul as his manner was went in unto them and three sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scriptures opening and alleging that christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead and that this jesus christ whom i preach unto you is christ and some of them believed that consorted with paul and silas and of the devout greeks a great multitude and of the chief women Not a few, but the Jews which believed not moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort and gathered the company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason, the ruler of the synagogue and sought to bring him out to the people. And when they found them not, that was Paul they were looking for, when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren into the rows of the city crying, These have turned the world upside down are come hither also. Whom Jason has received. And all these do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Saying that there is another king. One Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the others, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. And over to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 1. Paul and Silas and Timotheus, unto the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father, and in the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. Knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God, for our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, As you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. So that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also to every place your faith the God word is spread abroad. So that we would not speak anything. For they themselves show us how many manner of entering we had to you, and how you turned from idols to serve the living God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Amen. May God add the blessing of reading this precious word. We did. We look at the church in Philippi last week. time and did, they discovered they were church of the Kohenai Fellowship. Simon, twins joined there. But Paul had to move after the, the the incident of the jail and the magistrates put him out. The magistrates come and say, "Look, you'll need to leave the city," and he was expelled from the city. And they went on to Berea and Paphos and arrived in Thessalonica. The team was Paul, Silas and Timothy and they were on this second missionary trip journey, establishing churches. And Paul's custom was always to first of all, go to the Jews in the synagogue because he was preaching that the promised Messiah has come from the Torah. (laughs) It says that when he got to Thessalonica, he found a very large synagogue you know it's uh, it's interesting because it's a fairly nice city. It says the synagogue consisted of Jews and God-fearers. The God-fearers were Greeks who went to the synagogue. You know they weren't uh, circumcised, but they attended them because they recognized in the the Jewish thing it was the true God they were searching for. So the synagogue was made up Jews and last number of. Gentiles. And it says, Paul ministered for three Sabbaths. And the first Sabbath, he aroused so much interest. It says that on the second, the whole city came to hear him. However, the third Sabbath, it says the Jews became jealous and slandered his message. So as Paul had done in several churches, having gone to the Jews and rejected, he says, okay, I'll go to the Gentiles. So he moved out of the synagogue, but it says half of the Jews, including the synagogue leader, Jason, and a multitude of Gentiles went with him. So this wasn't a small gathering. This is probably one of his most successful campaigns. And he says, he continued of a great campaign. He says, the word of God was delivered in power with signs and wonders and might, and you received it with joy. And you recognize that this gospel was not of men, but was indeed of God. And Paul had already testified elsewhere. He says, I didn't receive this by the teaching of men. <laughs> I never went to college or theology, college, but I received it direct right revelation from Jesus. And Thessalonians received it, as this is of God, the word of God, not of men, and turned from idols to follow Jesus. In other words, we were radically converted. All of them in this campaign that Paul and Silas had. But again, you know, the persecution gets so hot. The unbelieving Jews stirred up a mob, caused a riot in the city. So much so that the believers had to take Paul and Silas and ship them out the city again after only a short time of ministry, probably the most, you know, well, three weeks in the synagogue and maybe similar time before they had to run for it. So this year, here's a church here stripped of its leadership, early in its days, quite young in the faith, you know, eager to move on, and the leadership, the direction, the instruction is taken away. Paul is also concerned, you know, here's this young church. When Paul set up churches, he appointed elders in every place and then commended them to the grace of God and moved on. But his moving from Thessalonica was premature. <laughs> he was ousted out before he got grounding them. So he's very concerned about this church, deprived. pride. He's anxious. He's anxious about two things. I want to know how they're standing. Are they standing fast? Because they're in the midst of tribulation and persecution. The riot and the magistrate were annoyed because the message they were preaching was against Caesar. There's another king. It was also against all the pagan gods. There's no other god but God. In preaching Christ, they were preaching against an adverse society. So Paul's saying, you know, have you managed to stand? (laughs) Or has Satan tempted you to give up? So he sends Timothy to see how they're getting on. And he's delighted when he comes back to the report. The poet says, this is a model church. (laughs) In other words, it's an example. He says, you've become an example to all Macedonia and Achaia. So what was it that enabled them to stand firm in the midst of such tribulation, affliction, and persecution? Now, first of all, it says, they received the gospel as the truth, the word of God and not of men. The Bible says, know the truth, and the truth will make you free. It says, you know, they imitated what was available. Paul says, you imitated us. A better word than imitating is reflected. You reflected what you saw in us. Paul says, for you know how we behaved ourselves before you. Not only by faith, but our deeds. And it says, they imitated imitated or reflected the churches of And I was inquired, how do we do this? What's happened? How have you stood the persecution? For well, you're going through the same thing from the Jews that we're going through from the Greeks. But most of what it says, not only did they imitate it, but they imitated the Lord Jesus, whom they followed. They became followers of him, turning from the idols to serve the living God. Now, we think that's a kind of light thing today. We think, well, idols are just the things that you prior to uh, your life or things you're ambitious about, all the things that you put before God. But in this pagan society, you know, if you were a tradesman, you were, you were in a temple with an idol. No matter what your trade was, your commerce was, you were a soldier. And when you got converted, you were chucked out. And that's why the the saints had to come together and have things in common and help one another. In other words, more or less, form their own community. They followed Jesus in spite of the persecution, knowing that he himself suffered all things. They followed Jesus wholeheartedly with the full expectation that he was coming back. It's and when I was with the church where they stopped going to work because they said, Jesus is coming. And they were sitting at the edge of the pavement. Paul had to say, get up, you know, get back about your business. So not only did they follow that which was available to them, but it says, they embraced the word wholeheartedly. The word is the lamp to her feet. The word is the plumb line. David says, your word have hidden my heart. I might not sin against you. Your word equips us. When we face temptation, we're able to say it is written. We defy the lies of the devil. Their word was action, not merely creed. They lived the word. James says, be not hearers of the word, only but doers. It's the doing and the walking in the word that makes it effective. It says, it says the word sounded out from them. They preached the gospel. No, they thrived on their testimony. You know. And what's your testimony? You know, we hear so many testimonies, what we're doing for the Lord, but your testimony is not what you're doing for the Lord. Your testimony is what the Lord is doing in you and for you. They thrived. From them, the word went all abroad. Thirdly, it says they walked in the truth. They practiced what they preached. It was real to them. Paul says, We remember your works of faith. In other words, their faith worked. Faith made manifest. Faith brought into being. Faith saw the promises. Faith saw the miracles. Faith delivered. I and mean, we remember your labour of love. We're known for their service, loving one another, serving one another, esteeming one another. If the Philippine Church was uh, in Koinai Fellowship, the, the key word in Thessalonians is your sanctification, your walk in holiness, your labour of love, and your patience and hope, the hope of Jesus' coming. That was what sustained them, you know. This won't last. This won't last. You know, there's something better to follow. And they look forward to his return. Fourthly, the main thing that sustained was Jesus was Lord, Lordship. They walked, they say, not only in the word, but they walked to please God and stood firm. Lordship means simply you can't say no to Jesus. There's no such thing as Lordship and saying no, Lord. Lordship is yes, Lord. Whatever you want, your way, not my way. It's one thing to know Jesus as Savior. It's another thing to make him Lord. So what can we do to stand firm and lock there? How can we emulate the Thessalonians? Well, you can live in the good of your testimony. Recall how you were saved. The gospel is the same today. Jesus hasn't changed. His purpose hasn't changed. His direction for your life hasn't changed. So reflect on all he's done for you. And doing for you. Live in the good of your testimony. Rejoice in it. Paul goes to the end of his uh, letter in chapter 5 from verse 69. He gives some says, Rejoice evermore. You know, there's nothing like joy, a testimony of joy. You know, have you ever got out? Deep? What have you got to smell about? What have you got somewhere? smell had a wee office and. the Fleming House and coming Commonwealth Town Centre, and come in the left, and you thought, well, I was either whistling or singing a chorus. And you say, oh, here's the singing man again. Mm-hmm. Joy is contagious, you know. And I want to tell you this, if you got a smile on your face and joy joyous spirit, people listen to your testimony more. So in the church garden and the Solomon's the colonnade the people envied them and feared them. But they had them in awe. It's got to have that testimony that people want to say. What is it? What is it you've got? We met a couple down when we were down in living in Yorkshire. A couple in the Jews were just like I said. He was a man and his wife worked in a factory somewhere. And like I said. And their lives were transformed. And the lady was at her work and, one day and her boss called her in to his office and said, come here, can I have a word with you? He says, what is it? He says have you won the pools? He says, what is that? He said, well, you're off for happy. <laughs> he said, no, we just got converted and met Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rejoice evermore, yeah. and it says also, and everything give thanks. You can't change your circumstances, but you can change your attitude. That changes how you cope with your circumstance. If you give thanks for something, it's difficult to moan about it. So give thanks in everything. Live in the good of your testimony. Recall all he has done for you. This is, hold fast to the truth you've been taught. Hold fast. Listen, don't be squeezed into the world's mould. It doesn't matter if the world no longer believes. It doesn't matter if society are ungodly. God has not changed. The truth that you were taught is the same truth. It remains in God is not a man that should lie. The word is secure. last lasts forever. Jesus has not one daughter. It will fail of the word of God. It's life to you. Live by it. So hold fast to the truth. Let God be true. And every man a liar. Then finally he says, Let the peace of God sanctify you wholly. In Thessalonians, sanctification is simply mean been dedicated and separated unto him. He turned from idols to serve the true living God. Dedicated your life to him. Separated your life to him. Made him the focus and priority. And he has kept you even unto now. So when you come out of this lockdown, you're going to be a giant for God. You're going to be stronger than ever, more mature than ever, more intimate with him, and more ready for the harvest. So stand fast, hold on to the truth, and rejoice in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, for the reality, Lord, of a changed life. For transforming power your spirit, Lord. For the regeneration of our hearts. We thank you, Lord, that you're there by us. Never leave us. Never forsake us. And we pray, Lord, during this lockdown, these restrictions, Lord, We'll find you in a new way. And learn your purposes when we come out of lockdown, Lord. When the stump will grow again, the hair will come back, <laughs> and that which is dead will rise. In Jesus' name. Amen.